Hey friends, we're back with another episode of the podcast and we are talking about the Enneagram today. We are in the middle of this series on the Enneagram. We are doing a deep dive that isn't just about wiring and motivation, but it is about our leadership, our relationships, and of course, our soul care. We believe that when you get healthy, you reach more impact. And I believe that the Enneagram is an incredible tool for understanding our unique design. You can't copy or cheat off somebody else's paper when it comes to wiring and personality. We are each given a unique wiring and personality. I don't know any other tool that goes deeper than the Enneagram and has more implications for our lives, our relationships, our families, and of course, our leadership. So we even talk about soul care, some of the opportunities that we have for that, some of the gaps that each number is going to have. Guys, I think these are fascinating conversations. And this was originally hosted on my friend Jason Perkins podcast. It's called Perko's Podcast. Go check that out wherever you consume podcasts. He's from Australia. His accent is like butter, and he asks great questions. I hope you will enjoy. Uh, we are talking about three numbers, the eight, nine, and one, and this is called the Gut Intelligence Center or the Anger Center. Guys, this is really good stuff. So if you're just joining us, make sure to go listen to all the other episodes. It's a series of four episodes here and this is almost like a free training that we're giving here. So we hope tons of value comes out of this. If you are interested in a training around the Enneagram, my wife is available to do those over Zoom. And when we start flying again, she's available to do those as well and to come spend time with your team. This is a great team training, whether it's a 101, 201, or more of a deep dive. Uh, she can come in via Zoom. Uh, start with people who are newbies, but also I think add a lot of value to people who already understand and sort of speak the language of the Enneagram. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. And if you are interested in training, head on over to our team page at Stay Forth. That's stayforth.com backslash team. Click on my wife's bio. You can email Julie Briggs. So here's another good one on the Enneagram, which we love so much with my amazing bride, Julie Briggs. Hope you guys enjoy. Alan, Julie, thank you guys so much for being a part of the show. Once again, I feel like this is like the podcast marathon. We are getting a ton of conversation time with you guys around this incredible tool, the Enneagram, um, which I'm becoming a huge fan of. I love it as I've said already on a previous uh, episode, I love the fact that it's not a test to just take, but it's a tool to use on a journey. And I love that. So um, today we're talking about the triad that we refer to as the gut center. Um, so it's going to be types eight, nine, and one, which I'm pumped to talk about because Julie, you've been going over the uh, summaries basically of each of the types. And today we're talking about your type. So I'm Super stoked to hear from you about that. But hey, before we dive into each of the types, eight, nine, and one, Julie, can you just give us a quick overview of why, why do they call it the gut center? What's the triad, kind of the makeup of this triad together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of times people say they can understand the heart center and the head center. That makes sense to them. And then they're like, what the heck is the, the body center or the gut yeah. center? What does that even mean? So I would say our body center types, they are typically um, processing life first through, you know, a sense in their gut, their intuition, 
um, before they go to their head or their heart, right? So I, because this is a tricky one to understand, I snagged a quote from a famous Enneagram teacher, Russ Hudson. He says this about the body center. He said, um, the gut center is teaching us what it means to actually live in the here and now, to feel our existence and to operate from that. And that gives us a sense of confidence, fullness, aliveness, and being. Okay. So I wanted that to be a little reference point to help people understand, like, what is this gut or body center telling us? And again, as I said every time, like, we all have all three of these centers, right? It's just where do we go to first? So our head center types tend to go first to thinking. Our heart center types tend to go first to feeling. And our body center types tend to go first to doing, right? Okay. So I'd say so body Julie- Julie, so when when we're when we say gut or body, would it be people actually from a physical sense, or more of that kind of "Hey, I made this decision because my gut told me to"? You, you hear what yeah, I'm asking? Honestly, the difference there, or is it the same? Yeah, it it could be either, because okay. the ironic thing is sometimes the center that we operate out of, you know, through our number, sometimes yes. we are very out of touch with that, with our truest sense of being. So there could be body types who feel very out of touch with their body, but Mm -hmm. tend to have a sense of like a gut feeling and intuition that they just believe and they trust. Yeah. Okay. And that doesn't, that isn't limited to only body types, but that tends to be the place where they, where they sit, you know? So I, I can think of, you know, plenty of times in my life where people have asked me, Um, well, how did you know this was the right thing to do? And a lot of people say, well, I thought about it and blah, 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 or, well, I really felt like, and, and I, I have always sensed like, I don't know. I just, I just knew that this was what I was supposed to do or that this was the right path to take, or that this was the right person to choose. Like marry me. Yeah. (laughs) It was just my gut. My heart and my mind told me not to do it, but my gut said go. I had some indigestion. Yeah, luckily, she wanted to eat some tacos. Her gut said yes, and the rest is history. So are we talking, talking, Julie, like the high eyes on, say, like a Myers-Briggs, that very high intuition type of thing? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, Potentially, but there are also... I've seen a lot of crossover with, you know, if you look at the Myers-Briggs type indicator, there's there's some patterns and th- some themes into which types tend to be which numbers. But I've okay. also seen, you know, few select people who are just all over the board with those. Okay. So yep. sometimes yep. it it depends. They can yeah. be fun tools to lay over each other. That's yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, I would really say like each of our centers are trying to ask a question, right? Find mm-hmm. out information from the world. Our body types, they really desire autonomy, right? That feels very important to body types. And they're really asking the question, like, am I getting what I want? Am I getting what I need? Can I act the way that I want? Like, can I exist in the world the way that I feel pulled to? That's yeah. kind of the the okay. Okay. overarching question that they're asking. Yeah. Um Body body center types really want to feel like they're having an effect on the world. Yes. And they do that in different ways. But like we talked about our dominant emotion of like our heart center types going to shame and our fear our head centers going to fear. Um yes. body types, the dominant emotion that they're gonna wrestle with is anger. 
And uh, sometimes okay. that can even tip over into the rage um, yeah. scale <laughs> okay. yeah. um, because of this sense of I'm like, I'm not feeling allowed to exist the way I want to exist. And that yeah. makes body center types feel very frustrated. So our eights are usually going to externalize that anger when they are angry, you are going to know it. No, <laughs> And our <laughs> ones tend to internalize that anger, whether that be self-criticism or just this underlying you know, resentment or frustration that other yes. people don't care as much as they do. Yep. And our nines are really just in a lot of denial of like anger, what anger? I'm not an angry person. <laughs> um, but really what they're trying to do is this back and forth of like, I got to keep in anything that could potentially cause conflict. Like don't let, don't say it, don't let it out. And then yeah. I got to keep out anything that people are trying to throw at me that could disrupt my peace. Cause right? they so want that harmony. Of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep, yeah. Absolutely. So okay. that's that's just a tiny little snack on what yeah. our uh, body types are. All <laughs> yeah. About. What? Yeah. Totally. And we're going to get to if you're you know for those that are listening or watching on YouTube. Hey, we're going to get to a question at the end of today's episode where I asked Julie and Alan to share with us some resources that you guys have found helpful, um, and we'll provide all that in the show notes. So it really is, Julie. You're giving us a little taste, wetting our appetites so that we can then dive into this a little bit more deeply. So I'd love to transition now to each of the types. And we're going to start with the eight, which I believe I've heard some people describe as the challenger, um, as somebody that, like you said, can be a great leader, but can also you know, struggle with some being a challenging person. So let's dive in. What, what are some of the key characteristics of an eight? And then let's talk a little bit about relationships and their goal achievement and obviously soul care. Yeah. So our eights, um, I've, I used to call them the challenger or the boss, but I've also okay. heard recently, and I really like this better is, or not better, but in addition to is the title of the protector, okay. because that is the big thing about eights is that they have, um, a boldness, a strength and intensity to them. And especially when they're healthy and even sometimes when they're not their their intuition tells them to use that strength to protect the vulnerable, right. To yeah. root for the underdog. Um, to be that bold, strong person who will speak out against the, you know, tell the hard truth, speak out against mm -hmm. the thing that's not okay. Yeah. Um, so essential qualities for our eights are strength, aliveness, and immediacy, mm. right? Those are all things that feel very essential to who they are. Um, their superpower really is truth-telling. Like they're not yeah. afraid to say the hard truth. The, the thing that needs to be said and no one else wants to say it you, you look at the eight and they're just going to spit it out. So um, people pleasing would not be as strong of an element for these guys. I would say no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't think so just <laughs> yeah. because um, their, you know, their thing is, is truth and bold truth and fighting for justice and doing the right thing. And so if they, you know, if, if you ask an eight, how your butt looks in those jeans, like they are going to tell you. Careful. And then if you get offended <laughs> or cry because of their, straightforward answer then they're yeah. thinking why the heck did you ask me if you didn't want yes. the truth <laughs> so right? they are truth so tellers. good yeah, yeah. So good. yeah. <laughs> would um, they even julie would they even be truth tellers to a fault in this in this sense that if they believe in their heart of hearts that something's true they're just going to let it out into the world whether or not they maybe have checked all the facts or maybe seen both sides of the equation. So I can answer this. Two things determine this. Number one, discernment, which yes. is just, you know, wisdom and action. Have they learned to be discerning? 
that over the years that doesn't go well when I just grip it and rip it. Yeah. And the second one is health, right? So every number we could say in health, there's such a huge difference between uh, any number in health. But I think for an eight, you're going to feel that. So yeah, there are people who who are eights who I know and love, and yes. who I realized after a while, wow, I really respect the way that they lead their teams and they lead their organizations because they actually temper themselves and put other leaders around them. So yeah. uh, I don't want eights to just get caged as an irresponsible, throw it out, say whatever you want on social media, um, you know, like preach and just bear down. That's not necessarily the eight in health. So I want to clear that up is, is that truth is powerful, but can be delivered with discernment and in health uh, in a way that you may not even know somebody's an eight because they've learned to to live that wisely. Yeah. I just asked, I asked that question only because I know, um, I know personally a very well-known eight who oftentimes puts things out on the internet. And I oftentimes think to myself, well, yes, that is true, but there's also a flip side to that. And obviously they're, they're wise enough to say, Hey, I'd like to know your thoughts on this. So comment below and let me know what (laughs) you think as well. Um, Which I think is fantastic because I think they are coming from a place of help, but I just wondered that sometimes if that's part of the reason why they can, in a sense, seem dogmatic, even though they may not be necessary. Well, because we all know if you say something with boldness and confidence, whether it's true or not, people are likely to believe you. Yes, yes. Right? So <laughs> yes. It, it really depends on what is their motivation for speaking yeah. the things they do. And it's it's two sides of the same coin, right? And An unhealthy eight could be a bully, right? yeah. but, a, but a healthy eight um, could be an advocate. Yep. Yeah. So no, it's fantastic. that self-awareness is, I love is that. huge. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, um, I, we talked about a, having a, an emotional driver of vice and for our mm-hmm. eights, it's called lust. We're not talking about a sexual lust. We're talking about this, this lust for intensity, for control, for strength. They want to exert themselves. It's really about feeling alive, right? That is, that is a big, um, craving of theirs. So while they are very protective of the weak and vulnerable, eights themselves never want to appear weak or, weak or vulnerable, okay, right? That's, okay. that's a hard place for them to live in. They want to be the strong ones who are in control, yeah. getting stuff done. Yeah. Um, so, and, and because of that link to anger, because anger to an eight feels like a safe emotion because it's yes. powerful. It's, you know, it's big and it helps them feel alive and intense. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes if an eight is feeling an emotion that to them feels weak, whether whether they're you know hurt or grieving or sad, lonely, embarrassed, whatever, um, typically they might express that first as anger. Okay. Because that feels safer to them, yes. right? I'm yeah. not going to be weak. No one's going to take advantage of me. I, yeah, I protect I'm in the control. vulnerable, but I'm not vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And anger is almost, it, it is kind of a sense of control. I'm controlling this situation mm-hmm. through my anger, yeah. even if even if it's controlling my feelings in a sense yeah. um, by being angry, yeah. It's interesting too, like this was helpful for me to learn that eights don't necessarily need to be in control. They just need to not be controlled. Uh, so okay. in a social environment where there's no power play at work, an eight not, might not rise up, but as yes. soon as the eight feels manipulated or controlled, 
And, and I've been in a relationship with an, a close friend of mine uh, now, but as we worked together, it was strange how it was so relaxed when there was no power at play. But as soon as there was, it was like there was a challenge that had to go in place. Yeah. And so that's interesting. They don't necessarily need to be in control. They just, the desire is more not to be controlled by somebody yeah. else. Right. And that's yeah. the safer place to be, right? It's not about, I want to be the boss of everyone in the room. It's about, yes. I don't want anyone in the room to be the boss of me. So therefore yeah. I want to take the leadership position. Yes. Yeah. So. so they would, they would default to a leadership position purely because they don't want to have to report to somebody rather than, hey, I want to lead this team? Uh, that would be, I guess it would depend on what the team is and how passionate they are about it. But I mean, generally, you see a lot of eights in leadership because yeah. they tend to make good leaders when they're healthy. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's a catch-22 stereotype. They probably grew up being affirmed for that leadership that we yeah. uh, in Western culture yes. have as, you know, dominance. And yes. so it's catch 22. You've got some leadership potential. You have the right wiring. People see it in you. You be, you're affirmed. And then you're like, this is my spot. I'm just sort yeah. of here at the top. And um, there's an eight that I know and love. And he just said, like it or not, I'm just a visionary. It's just where I end up in the room. And yeah. he's not being, uh, he's not being prideful as he no. says that. No. He's just like, People have told me, I'm just in the first seat of the bus. That's just who, who I am. So he you almost typically, can't even get away from it if he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It's that person that in a meeting, they typically get a really quick idea of where we're heading and how to get there. And so oftentimes yeah. they go, hey, I can see where we're headed and why we want to get there. And I can actually see the pathway to getting there. And so by default, they oftentimes help to lead the team to get there. So, right. And they're yeah. thinking, why, why waste an hour sitting around figuring out who's going to lead the project? Like, let's yeah. just do this. Let's, let's do it. Let's just, yeah. let's just run yeah. and do it. And I would say, I think it's important to point out too, because they're, um, and I guess it depends on the kind of culture you grow up in. Like I said, eights are not afraid of conflict, confrontation, that kind of stuff. Sometimes they seek it out, but it's sometimes it's just, if it comes up, they can handle it, but they yeah. want people to match their intensity right? So if, if you have an issue with an eight, if you're being passive aggressive or beating around the bush, um, they're getting frustrated and taking that as weakness. Like just okay. say what you have to say. Yeah. And oftentimes people want to avoid the conflict so they don't say the thing that they're really thinking. Yes. Um, and eights will say the thing and they want you to just say the thing and that won't destroy your relationship. Typically <laughs> it will, it might actually improve it because then they respect you for just speaking what you needed to say. Yeah, it feels yeah. like that is too big a risk and that's, that is too much vulnerability. It turns out that is vulnerability and that brings the relationship closer yeah. when you match an eight. So that's one of the, I think the hardest things probably about being in relationship or at least leadership with an eight is that's what they're longing for is yeah. come, come at me, bro. Let's have yeah. the right conversation after. So oh, that was great. And you're thinking that yeah. was exhausting. That yeah. was the worst. Yeah, and the yeah, lead up to like, it, oh, the actual great. conversation. Yeah. It was all exhausting. Yeah. We did something. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's go. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna make great debaters. Like they just would love a good debate. I sure. Imagine. I would think that if you were growing up and just loved debate team, doesn't mean you're yeah. right, but it, it didn't hurt. It's, yeah. it's almost <laughs> like they have psychological powers because they just care less than the rest of us to just go for it, right? If conflict yeah. isn't that big an issue, you're like, this is fun, why not? Let's so, do it. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So talk to us a bit more about relationships because Alan, you've talked about it from a workplace standpoint. 
But Julie, there's also the, you know, the romantic relationship standpoint in a marriage situation or even, you know, with family members, that kind of thing. What are some of the keys to working well with an eight and also eights working well with others in relationships? So I think we have to first be aware of our language of how we address people. I would say mm -hmm. typically in most cultures, male eights get called, you know, assertive, commanding, good leaders, that kind of stuff. Yes. Whereas female aides get called bossy and other B words. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and it seems more culturally acceptable for yeah. male aides to fully be truly who they are and less so for females. So, um, and I think this dynamic can also come out in relationships. If you are in relationship with a female eight, how are you encouraging and championing her in using her voice for, for truth, for advocacy, yeah. for um, the things that she was designed to do? Because um, that's why I think so many things that we used to think were just um, gender stereotypes. You understand these hardwiring dynamics and it's not, oh, this is a, this is a job or this is a thing for a man and this is a job or this is a thing for a woman. It's, it's whose personality is best suited or hardwiring is best suited for this role mm. or, or, you know, letting people really thrive in who God created them to be. If God created you as a truth teller with a bold voice, then finding areas or arenas where that is championed in you and you learn to use that in a healthy way, right. is yeah. really important. So yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, big thing for eights because they have so much intensity and energy uh, sometimes they can forget that the person they're in relationship with might not be able to match that intensity yeah. or that energy. So just having some discernment of knowing when can I bring my full self and when do I need to back off a little bit? Because, you know, for the sake of my partner who has a different level of, or who, who can handle a different level of intensity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Being That's challenged all important. the time is not a game for everyone. Right. Sometimes we just want to be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't need to be challenged on every decision. I could, I'd just like to make one and be okay with it. So yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, but it's really are, you know, lovers of, of justice and, and mm. they want to, um, they want to feel alive, but they, as I mentioned before, they need to be very aware of their anger. Right. And make sure that it's coming out in the right places and in the right directions um, and not causing hurt or pain in their closest relationships. Yeah. So one yeah. thing to kind of boggle your mind is, you know, an eight, you often think of a commanding male presence, yeah. but think yeah. about mother Teresa, mother yes. Teresa being an eight. And so she used her voice and her little frame yes. to be an advocate for the least. Yep. And, uh, and so I, I think that that's helpful uh, because often that's the first thing that we picture um, but that's actually just not helpful uh, overall. Because yeah. um, you're really you're really describing there, Alan, you're talking about a healthy eight in a sense with Mother Teresa, who I think had some ridiculous, you know, soul care practices of that idea of, hey, just spend an hour every day with Jesus, you know, and it's like, wow, an entire hour just hanging out with Jesus that will do something to temper your eightness or your sevenness or your threeness right. or pick sure. whatever yeah. number you want. Sure. You're going to yeah. be a place of health. And then it wasn't just an hour every day with Jesus. I think she just abided in Christ throughout the entire day, which sure. tempered that 
eightness sure. maybe or whatever. Yeah. And, and maybe even you're already kind of segueing into soul care, even there yeah. with eights have a lot of energy. So what are you going to channel that for is the question yes. you're, yeah. you're going to have energy yeah. um, as, as an eight. But the question is, is where are you going to channel that? Is it going to come back toward truth and, and toward justice or the way that you want to approach truth, which maybe, you know, powering up, or is, is there a better way in humility to approach that? So I think that's just the discernment piece, but solo time for eights is huge to be able yeah. to uh, think and discern ahead of time um, and to not just have to, in the moment, feel like I need to come up with something now. So there's a gatheredness to eights um, that I deeply respect that often go away, sort of go away to the mountain um, yeah. to get that clarity, solitude, and yep. obviously silence uh, are yeah. big practices. Yeah, that's so big. So talk to us then about soul care specifically for the eight. If if they struggle to lean into certain practices, for instance, what are some key things that you would say? Because, you know, we've talked about on the podcast, we say, that all, say this all the time that, hey, we want people to achieve their goals without losing their souls, but actually the secret of the podcast is we actually think that with not losing your soul is the goal. Um, so talk to us about, okay, here's some ways to achieve your goals around soul care, but also be able to get those practical things done. Like you might be really passionate about advocating for some people group or some process or something that you really feel like needs to be protected what does it look like to, to achieve that goal, but not lose your soul? I think something that's really important, soul care specifically for type eights, is um, you have to find safe spaces and safe people to be vulnerable with. Okay. Because when you constantly have the armor up and like, I am the strong one. I am the, you know, the protector. I am the challenger. I am the boss. Um, we all have those soft, gooey centers, right? And eights are no exception. They have the external shell of hardness, but the internal is just as soft and gooey as any of the rest of us. Yeah. And so I think it's incredibly important for soul care for an eights that they find a counselor, a trusted friend, a loved one, that they can be um, vulnerable with, that they can uh, admit when they're sad, when they're hurt, when they're frustrated, when they're confused, and let that person hold that space for them without being afraid that now they're going to think I'm weak. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that that is a very protected space, especially yeah. for our AIDS. So yeah. having somebody, taking that stuff to God, um, but having somebody you know, you got somebody in heaven and having somebody on earth too, where you can cover all the angles of like being able to be vulnerable and know that that doesn't put your strength into question. In fact, that vulnerability will amplify your strength because then it also gives you more empathy for other people and for those that you are you know, fighting for. So I think being vulnerable and um, having somebody that you feel safe to do that with is huge. And would you would you say, Julie, we're talking about a trusted guide like a counselor or a coach or somebody like that? Or are you talking about, hey, surround yourself with like at least one or two or three really close friends who they don't give a rip about who you are or what you get done. 
they just love you and you can just be yourself around them during that? Is it a combination of the two? Right. I would say it's take it wherever you can get it. Okay. I mean, you know, if you have, if if your spouse can be that person for you, that's great. If you have a friend who could be that person for you, that's great. Um, if you have a counselor who could be that person for you, you know, I don't think it matters as much who it is or even how many. I think yeah. even one is fine. Even just okay. one safe space where you can show your soft gooey center, but that helps open up a larger availability to do that more. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll probably find that as you do that with that one safe person, you may actually begin to do that with your team and in other places mm-hmm. because you practice that. Yeah. Yeah. And that idea too, of like eights getting out into nature because eights feel power. They like power. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, getting out into nature and observing all of God's power, right. <clears throat> excuse me. And being reminded that like God controls all of this yes. in me and, yeah. you know, when it rains and when it doesn't and, yeah. and all of that and, and being reminded that they don't have to hold it all, right? Yeah. They don't have to hold it all together. Yeah. Um, God can do that for them. I like, to, I like to stand in a really powerful set of waves down at the beach almost every Sabbath because it reminds me of how powerless I am because they just beat you down. <laughs> And you're like, holy cow, there are millions of these very powerful forces happening simultaneously around the world. And I am this little tiny guy on one tiny little beach on the planet. And it's just a great perspective reminder of like, wow, God is so incredibly powerful. And such All right, a podcast. Reminder. You've got a podcast from the beach. I can hear the waves <laughs> in the background. I'm you're doing getting it. pummeled by that. So that, that's your challenge next time, Burko. Next time. All right. So let's, let's dive into the nine. Um, and Julie, this is going to be super fun because we're talking a little bit about your Enneagram type. So tell us kind of an overview of this, this type for, for those that are unfamiliar. Well, I think it is, um, an official rule now that nine is the, uh, best type on the Enneagram. I have okay. to agree. We took a poll. Yes. Yeah. I literally have to. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we all have our yucky underbelly. Um, our yeah. nines are usually called the peacemaker or the mediator. Mm. Okay. So essential qualities for our nine is really wholeness, being, and unity. Mm. So nine's superpower is diplomacy and unconditional love. Okay. And Part of that diplomacy or the idea of mediator um, is that nines have this very natural way of just understanding both sides of a situation. Yeah. So this can be very helpful when you have, um, let's say, you know, countries or family members or, you know, whatever, who are disagreeing about ideas, who have different ways of seeing things, different ways of experiencing things. And the mediator can walk in and say, well, I understand where he's coming from, but I also totally understand where she's coming from. Um, maybe I can be a part of bringing people back together, right? That's yeah. that's where you get the mediator idea. But also because nines have such a strong pull and desire for peace and harmony, both internally and externally, yeah. um, there can also be a tendency to just numb out. Like, oh, okay. there's too much conflict in the world too much. Uh, uh, I don't want to figure out, I don't want to figure out what I think about this issue or how I really feel. So I'm going to, you know, grab my bag of popcorn and go binge watch Netflix for nine hours because I just don't want to deal with it. So they they could, they could, um, when they're not in a healthy place, 
be people that tend to retreat is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And really the, the basic fear for our nines is of being disconnected or cut off. Okay. So, um, and, and obviously with that, then the desire is to be whole. They want things to be whole. They want inner peace. They want outer peace. Um, they want to stay connected. So that is part of the tendency of the nine to be passive aggressive or conflict avoidant, because there's so many things that a nine might, you know, think or feel or want to say, but if I have an opinion on that and somebody else wants something different, then that could cause a problem or a conflict and I would rather not deal with it. So therefore they become very, um, chill, very go with the flow Hey man, you know, what do you want to do Friday night? Oh, I don't care. Whatever you want to do is cool. I'm just along for the ride, right? They're just always up for whatever everybody else wants to do. The pull of attention for a nine is really on other people's agendas. Okay. So there's a pull of attention for all the types. You know, we talked about like for the two, it's really on other people's needs, right? That's what their focus of attention is on. And the focus of attention of a nine is really on other people's agendas. Okay. So oftentimes people can have a hard time figuring out, out if they're a two or a nine, because they're both generally, you know, nice people, um, (laughs) who, you know, generally, they're generally just nice. They're nice. They're just generally people you want to be around, like (laughs) not like the others, like the sevens, for um, instance. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're others focused. And so, but, but the two is focusing on the needs of other people to, to get love. And the nine is focusing on other people's agendas to just keep the peace. Like, I just don't want to ruffle the feathers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's just do, yeah, whatever you want to do. That's cool. I'm game for that. Um, So, (laughs) and And that emotional drive or vice for our nines is called sloth. Yeah. And so a lot of nines, all of us, we take offense to our drive, right? Yeah. But <laughs> this this idea of sloth or laziness, um, this is not talking about a physical laziness, right? Most yeah. nines are actually um, very active, um, busy throughout the day. This yeah. is talking about um, a desire. They're to going. They're busy because they're going along with everyone else's agendas. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so there takes exactly. a lot of work. It's it does to keep up with everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> this laziness of figuring out what are their own passions yeah. and agendas. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it takes too much energy to figure out what I really want, what yeah. I really want out of this, you know, one precious life. So I'm just going to merge along with what other people want or what other people want for me. And that's really where we get this sense of sloth or laziness. It's this need to wake up and yeah. figure out who are you? What do you want? Not just going along with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So where's that, Julie, where's that coming from? What's the fear for the nine? You said disconnectedness. Is that the thing that's driving it? Yeah, really. It's really about a loss of connection. Um, nines tend to have this some this subconscious belief that, or question that they're asking of like, does my presence really matter? Mm right? Does it really matter that I'm here? Is my voice important? Is my presence important? And so subconsciously nines believe that if they just be really easy and agreeable, right? We all have these things that we pick up in childhood in order to survive. And some people become strong because no one will take advantage of me. And some people, you know, over-prepare for everything that could go wrong or escape into fun and fantasy And I think nines um, as children really pick up this message that if I don't rock the boat, then 
life can stay pretty calm or people don't yeah. have to, if, if people, I get rewarded for not being hard for people, yeah. not needing to spend extra time or energy on me. So if yeah. I can just float along, but then in that, as you grow up, you tend to feel like, well, I'm just floating along. Therefore nobody notices me. Am I, right. is my presence important here? Does it really yeah. matter? Um, so it's really about this loss of connection. It's like, I'm not going to say what I really think because that might cause a disconnection. Yeah. Right. Or I'm not going to so, do what I really want to do because other people will misunderstand me and that will cause a conflict. Yeah. So the eight would turn towards anger under that stressful situation. Mm -hmm. You said before that the nines maybe go towards maybe resentment, bitterness, that type of thing. Is that what you, well, I would I would say resentment probably more on our ones, but what nines do is nines yeah. are in complete denial of their anger. Uh, okay, okay. So most nines have no, I'd say most nines have no idea that they're angry people because yeah. it's like easy going, go with the flow for so long. And then all of a sudden they erupt, right? Because uh, okay. they didn't let it leak out when it needed to. There's an yes. eruption and then an immediate pullback of that was too far. That was too much. I shouldn't have done that. I'm a horrible person. Let's stuff all that anger right back down in there and, yeah. and keep going with the flow. Right. So and, I, like and I can tell that I can tell you've never like had an eruption oh, and Alan's like, Oh no, no, she's, <laughs> well, I'm not angry. And then we have these humans also called children. Yes. I did yes. not know that I was an Poke angry person. Button. I did not know that I was an angry person until I had kids. Wow. Because I'm like, yeah, super, whatever, everything's chill. I'm fine. You're fine. We're all fine. Um, and then all of a sudden, like this, this petty little bickering started disrupting the peace in my home. Yeah. And it would irritate me to no end because yes. I'm thinking if something is important, fight about it. That's fine. But who gets the remote control is not is worth not disrupting the peace in my home. <laughs> and so those little petty things would just send me through the roof. And yeah. I didn't know why. Like, why is this such a trigger for me until yeah. I learned more about the Enneagram and yeah. found my type and realized, oh, this is a trigger for me because something that I deem as petty and not important is yes. disrupting the peace in my home. And that makes me feel so yeah. anxious. Yeah. And that phrase your anger is a pathway to something that really matters to you. Yes. Yes. So helpful for the nine because she began to look through that and go, Oh, it's driving me crazy because we're a family. We should be loving each other. These little things shouldn't get in the way. And so I, yes. I would encourage anyone, but especially nines to go, man, that anger, anger was not uh, a friend that I recognized either, but to go, Oh, why is that? What is being violated or yeah. taken away from me right now? And yeah. that's been really helpful for us in our marriage as, as non-angry people who are trying to get used to anger and yeah. our children at the same time. Where is time. that coming from? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's basically you are allowing anger to define an expectation or a standard that you have. And so for you, Julie, you're saying, hey, my expectation and my standard is that the remote control is not something that we argue about. We argue about more important things than that, but not that. And then when that expectation or that standard is not being met, that's when that right. anger can come up. Yeah, that's so right. good. And I think so anger is the tool of, to define that for you. Yes, because that's part of the growth process specifically for nines is culture tends to 
tell us that anger is bad, right? Even yes. even religious culture, it's, yeah. you can feel like anger is a sin, you're not allowed to be angry, you need to get rid of that as quickly as possible. And we need to use our anger in healthy, constructive ways, but it's a human emotion. Like we, right. there's no getting rid of anger. And I think because it tends to feel so uncomfortable for nines, what we realize is that nines identifying their anger um, is really part of their waking up process because mm. our anger is typically telling us that something is important to us. Yeah, yeah. So part of that n- retreating from the whole numbing out or pulling back or not thinking about things or not engaging things is for for a nine specifically is to realize this makes me angry. Okay, pause. Why? What is my anger trying to tell me about what's important to me right now? What is either being violated or what are words or actions that I need to put forth that I'm not? And my anger is trying to tell me like, no, this is important to you. And you need to, you know, process if it's worth moving forward or not. Yeah. You can then determine once you identify what is the thing that's making you angry. Hey, is that worth making me angry? Is that worth getting angry over? Or actually, no, that is something that needs to be dealt with or, but I can do it now in a healthy way rather than an explosive way because I've pushed the the emotional. Yeah. Realizing that conflict is a part of life. I mean, as as much as a nine might wish that it just never had to be, it's a part of relationships. It's a part of family dynamics. It's a part of culture. And so the goal should not be to make all conflict go away. We need Correct. conflict to improve lives, right? Yeah. To heal things. But um, so needing to find a space where you can feel comfortable in conflict and it becomes about getting to a point of, and also letting other people be who they are. Yeah. You know, I actually know quite a few eights and nines who are married to each other. People would wow. think like, oh, that has to be a terrible combination. No, because... Um, the, the nine can help soften the eight and the eight can help pull the, the important things out of a nine, right? So yes. that relationship can work just fine if yeah. the nine has to choose to engage and then the eight, you know, might have to soften a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have some, I have some friends that are a three and a nine, they're married to each other. And the nine says all the time, Hey, my three spouse helps me get some things done. Cause I can tend to be let's just spend the day on Netflix and not do anything today. And also the three says all the time, like I can really struggle to take a Sabbath and my nine spouse really Mm -hmm. helps me to just slow down and rest and relax. And and that works with any number, right? We we can attempt to complement each other, um, you know, with our, with our different personalities and it's great. Okay. So this, I think is going to be a tricky question for me to ask because I don't want to step on any toes. That's the people pleaser coming out in me. (laughs) Um, So the nine who tends to drift towards maybe the sloth, you know, description, what does it look like for them to achieve goals? Do they have challenge? Do they struggle achieving goals because they're not as goal oriented or is that something that they can overcome and no, it Mm -hmm. does come naturally? I would say it really depends on if the goal is really theirs or if it's a goal that they are taking care of for somebody else. Yeah. Because either somebody, it's somebody else's agenda or it's something somebody else has put on them. Yeah. Those, if, if it feels put upon them, nines have a very strong inner sense of boundaries and of Mm -hmm. stubbornness. Yeah. But again, it's that passive aggressive. It's like if, if a nine feels put upon or being, 
feels like they're being asked to do something that they didn't want to do, um, they might still agree to do it, right? Because of the conflict avoidance, but yes. it's it's going to be last minute. It's not going to yeah. be their best effort. It's going to, what are those little stubborn, passive aggressive yeah. ways of I'm trying to tell you without actually telling you, this is not what I want to be doing. Yes. Right? But I'm sitting goal, down physically, but I'm standing <laughs> up in my heart. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. if it's a goal or passion of the nine themselves, which yes. they have to do the work to figure out what those things are, um, then they will run after it. Hard. I've seen nines ignited uh, through coaching because yes. that's the process of the pulling out. Yeah, we use discovery. the phrase, what are you uniquely designed to do? Who is God yeah. uniquely designed you as? And that's powerful for everyone. But this was like the first time this guy had even thought that way or felt permission at least to think that way and ultimately ignited him. And he's one of the most goal-driven people who I know that you have to yeah. tell him actually stop doing things and getting things done. You're crushing it too much. I don't want you to yes. get crushed. So yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's one of those um, false misconceptions of, of nines. Um, yeah. But man, it's fun to watch nines really own like, yes, this is what I'm going to run after. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, and it's, it's pretty magical when it happens. Yeah, no, it's so good. So talk to us about soul care, Julie. And, and I would love, I would love it if you just get really like personal and say, Hey, these are the things that I find really effective practices for me personally. Yeah. Well, I would say similar to the two in the sense of saying no. Yes. Right. Because nines tend to be people pleasers, right? I don't mm -hmm. want to let anybody down. So I'm going to say yes, whenever somebody asks me of something, but I think the, the more we can connect with our own inner like needs, then it's easier to say no to other people. So for example, I, um, I really like sleeping late. Now it does not happen often because yes. you know four kids and school and work and all the things, but I got really used to sleeping in during um, all the COVID at home, and yeah. that was a hard one to let go of. Yeah. But because I know that sleep feels so necessary and important to me, I guard Saturday mornings with my life. If yeah. anybody says, "Hey, do you want to do this thing? Hey, could you help me with this project?" Like, hey, could you, whatever. And if it's on a Saturday, like before 11, I'm getting up before 11. I just don't want to do things before yes. 11. Yeah, then, yeah. then I say no. And yeah. I used to feel guilty about it. Or I used to say, oh, okay, let's just do it. Cause that person is important and I want to help them out. Yeah. Um, but, but I've learned that like, it's okay. For, not only is it okay for me to say no, it's good for me to say no. Cause I need that day to replenish yes. my soul. Yeah. Right. And yeah. my body. Yeah. So. That's by the way, Julie, the boundaries. Yeah. By the way, Julie, if you want to sleep until 11, you go ahead and <laughs> you sleep won't until judge me. <laughs> permission, <laughs> permission granted. Like, don't have to say, hey, I get up before 11, but I'm just doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> sleep in. I mean, I'll be My awake. teenagers do it all the time. They do it all the time. So, right. no, it's, it's just, good. You know, we're just taking care. So yeah. um, I would say to to be careful to stay aware of the times when we're tempted to zone out. Okay. Right? When we feel like things are rising yeah. and we just want to back off and, and numb and unplug. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean unplugging is unhealthy, right? We all need to 
you know, introvert every now and then have some alone time, you know, watch the favorite show and not feel bad about the project you haven't finished yet. Like we all need that downtime, but there's a difference between downtime to replenish and I am numbing from something that I don't want to deal with. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great filter then to ask maybe a loved one or someone that really cares about you. Hey, am I, have I been retreating to replenish lately or do you feel like I've been retreating to just numb out the pain? Um, because I don't want to cross that line. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then follow that bunny trail. Like what am I numbing out from, you know, can I name it? Why am I numbing out? Why, what am I afraid of? And, and part of that, I think soul care for nines as well is recognizing that, um, to investigate their anger. Yeah. What, okay. what is my anger trying to tell me? What do I need to do about it? Processing it out slowly so that you don't have these eruptions that then you, you know, pull back, then you know, feel guilty about, and then you pull back and I'll never be an angry person again. No. How can you vent frustration in a healthy, productive way? Because you're a normal human who feels frustrated and upset. But also, like I said, part of that waking up process for nine is believing that I have things that are supposed to be put out there into the world. And sometimes my way of discovering what those things are is, is through listening to what my anger is telling me. Yeah. I'm hearing some themes through every single number and you guys are probably laughing because you're in on the inside. You're like, Perko, you're such a novice. Yes, those are the themes, but <laughs> it's all good. I'm hearing, Hey, slowing down and being more contemplative of what you're feeling, where the anger is coming from, why am I fearful? For every number, these are the practices that really will help you to identify what is the best way to be as the healthiest version of yourself um, that you can possibly. Yeah, and and really pausing to remember the inherent worth that we wake up with every single yeah. day that yeah. God has given us, that we have yeah. in Jesus. Because yeah. every single number is seeking that worth in a different yes. way by being easy and agreeable, by taking care of other people, by yeah. being positive and fun, by, yes. by, you know, feeling like Getting they're loved for done. what they do. Yeah. Yes. We're, yes. we're all pulled towards yeah. finding our value somewhere else. And so we're all struggling to figure out how to not only get it, but to maintain it. And it's just mm. exhausting and it's not going to take us anywhere positive. So yeah. remembering that we wake up every single day with, value because we are children of God. And that cannot be taken away from us by what conflict we're in, who we say no to, Mm. what job we didn't finish, what we didn't do the right way, all of that. I mean, that is, that's good soul care. Yeah. My wife and I have recently started a practice of speaking declarations and affirmations every morning um, over our lives and over the lives of our children before we get started with our day, before the day gets going and we seek to find our identity and worth in things that are not necessarily true. And it's been such a life-giving practice for us to just ground ourselves before we become human human doers, just be a human being at first as a child of God, get our identity in Christ set in stone once again, recenter, and then get on with the day. So no, it's so good. And and I would also say that um, Alan has learned that he has to give me choices and options yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. one, one last thing that's typically true of nines is we have an easier time identifying what we don't want 
than identifying ah. what we do want. Okay. So, so process of elimination asks, is good for yes. you guys. Yeah. Well, and if Alan says, where do you want to go for dinner? Yeah. My mind is blank because I'm like, there are legitimately a hundred rest, you know, a hundred yeah. restaurants in town. I don't yeah. know where I want to go to dinner, but also I'm subconsciously thinking, I wonder where he wants to go. Yeah. In the mood? <laughs> what if I say Italian and then he really wanted Mexican and then that's a yeah. thing. So he'll just say like, He'll give me three options. Hey, There's would you rather options. go to this place or this place? And I place? literally don't care. My <laughs> stomach is thinking. I'm yeah. exhausted just thinking about all the things she's thinking about to go. And I'm like, literally. Just <laughs> well, but most of it isn't even subconscious. It's just like when somebody says, yeah. what do you want to do? It's all of a sudden, oh, I don't, well, yeah. whatever you want to do. That's fine. Yeah. I'll do yeah. that. And Alan's, Alan's like, you know what? It doesn't matter where we go. I'm going to order three of everything anyway. So that's, that's right. going to be awesome. I mean, as long as they have tacos and many of yeah. them, we're good. Yeah, we're totally good. And we get flights, so you don't have to choose. Just a little yeah. bit of everything. <laughs> I still believe the flight was invented for the seven and by a seven, probably. So. Oh, I'm sure. Amen. Hey, brilliant. And amen. Hey, um, because of the time, and I hate doing this, because Julie, I love talking with people that are sharing about their number because I feel like they're obviously a wealth of information about that, especially mm -hmm. if they're coming from a healthy position, like I believe you are. So let's do, let's do the one. And uh, as we wrap this up, what are some of the key things about the one that we need to be aware of? Yeah. So our ones are probably feeling gypped because they're number one on the Enneagram, but they had to wait till the very end yes. to hear about themselves. Yes. So, yeah. um, Ones are frequently called the reformer or the idealist. Okay. They just have this way of seeing how things should be in order yeah. to be at their best, right? Yeah. Um, some essential qualities are really goodness, purity, and sacredness. So their superpower is alignment. It's figuring mm. it out how to make everything align and make sense, whether that's beliefs, actions, Um their inner fear, basic fear is of being bad or corrupt. And because of that, they want to be that desire is to be above criticism, um, to like striving for perfection, right? When a one walks into a room, they can immediately spot like what's off, what's missing. It could be as simple as that painting is crooked, or it could be as yeah. specific as um, like, there's something in this org chart that isn't working and we need to rearrange some things. They just have this vision for seeing how things should be and how yeah. things could be. And so they strive to make that a reality in their environment. Okay. Yeah. So that could be really frustrating for them if they're in a relationship mm -hmm. or working with people that chaos is like, okay with them or is even, you know, yeah. not just accepted, but celebrated, you know, that could be really well, challenging. Because, because ones care so much about doing things the right way. Yeah. Um, it can definitely cause a lot of frustration in them to when they look at other people and they see other people don't care. And that mm. can feel very frustrating. Yeah. They just they they see there's there's a right way. They tend to be a little bit more black and white, right and wrong. Um, and because they can so clearly see the right way to do something, it yes. can feel very frustrating to them that other people don't seem to care. It can almost feel unfair. Like I they <laughs> a nine isn't going to cut or sorry, a one is not going to cut any corners, right? They're going to do things the right way. They're going to do things the way that they are meant to be done. They're going to cross the T's and dot the I's. Um, and that was, that's an urgency placed in them by God, right? We need people who can scan the horizon for what is the vision? What is the ideal? How can we strive towards that? How can we improve things and make things better? Whether that's 
people or organizations or the earth or anything. It's just, they have this inner pull to make things better. Yeah. 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 How do so you what, get the right to not care? Right. Cause yeah. it's, you know, it's sort of this burden that they carry, that they carry with them. Yeah. Are they frustrated then oftentimes? Can they be somewhat frustrated people because they, I mean, chaos is everywhere. And so mm-hmm. they're, I mean, we, we're so broken, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I think of my own life and I just immediately think to myself, man, I don't do things the right way and in the right order. And it frustrates me and I'm not a one. I can only imagine frustration yeah, must be a I, thing. I, I think absolutely. I mean, I, I had a conversation with the one, she said as a child, she was an artist. She loved painting. Mm. She said she would take out a new canvas and she would paint something. And then like, you know, right at the end in the corner, she would make some sort of mistake. And she said she would whitewash the whole thing and start all over. And everyone else went, oh, it's paint. You could literally just cover it up and no one ever would have seen the mistake. And her response was, but I would always know it was there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think one of the biggest gifts that if you if you are a one or if you are in relationship with a one to recognize that they care a lot about you know whatever whatever it is they care about but here's the thing if you view them as being critical or judgmental about how things are done um they are way harder on themselves than they okay. ever are on other people. Yeah. So if they're being okay. critical of you, that's just a yes. tiny little drop in the bucket of the criticism that they heap they give on themselves, themselves every day. All yeah. day. And they did not yeah. choose to care that much. That is right, an urgency right. built inside of them. Yeah, and yeah. That's that internal anger where it's yes. eight, you're feeling it out. If they're angry, it means they've already been angry at themselves yeah. first. And yeah. so actually I get the emotion of sadness. I, I yeah. feel sad for a lot of ones to think through man, that would, that'd be rough if A was ne- never good enough and it was always yeah. need to be A plus. So I think empathy for ones who we know yeah. and love would, would be really, really helpful. And this is something yeah. I've been learning and very convicted, the ones that I love. Like, yeah. And I need to be more empathetic instead yeah. of sensing that as criticism. Yeah, 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 totally. Go ahead, Julie. I sense you were about to say something. Well, I, I've heard it said several times. I think ones as kids are often yes. viewed as little adults okay because they're responsible yeah they're going to um like adults tend to look on them as children and be like oh we don't have to worry about that one they're good they do what they're told they you know they're getting good grades they can watch the other kids and they won't let them do anything stupid like they're just they're they tend to be more responsible they're you know more um structured they they will do what they say they will do. You know, they're hardworking. Um, and so very, very, very valuable contributing members um, to families and to societies. Uh, but the thing that I, is difficult about our ones for them to endure themselves is that ones have an inner critic, right? Okay. And we maybe all have some sort of inner critic, like, oh, that was a bonehead move. I shouldn't have done that. But yeah. ones have a voice in their head that is always letting them know you didn't do that right. You could have done that better. That wasn't oh. done the right way. Did you say the right thing? And um, this was mind boggling to me once I heard a Christian say to me, they discovered later in life that about the Enneagram and that they were a one. And they said, growing up in a Christian environment, I was taught that the voice in my head 
was the yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, I was just and, thinking the same thing, Julie. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about that person that grew up. I was thinking the exact same thing where it's like, man, you would be constantly feeling like God is upset with you. Right. You're never good enough. Yeah. Right. God is always mad at me. I never measure up. And it takes this level of discernment to figure out what is this voice um, saying to me? I know many, many people who have given their inner critic a name so mm. that in that moment they can say, you know, is this, let's say my inner critic was Bob, you know, yeah. is this, is this my conscience, right? Is yes. this the Holy Spirit? Is yes. this Bob? Do I need yeah. to listen to what Bob is saying and then say, you know, thanks, Bob, but I, you know, politely disagree, yes. right? Yeah. If, if what that voice is telling you is not um, for your good, right? Then it's probably not the Holy Spirit. And I've heard yes. many ones say, your inner critic is not your friend. Yeah, yeah, so good. Because it is harsh on you. Yeah, poor Bob, because I was immediately, when you said that they give them a name, immediately Bob's <laughs> name came to my mind as well. And I feel sorry for Bob. <laughs> sorry, Bob. Always we, get, Bob always gets Bob. blamed. He's like the everybody. unwanted neighbor that keeps showing up at your house. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, Bob. Right, but I'll tell you what, like I want a, I want a one flying my airplane, right? Yeah. I, I want a one coming into my organization and telling oh. me how to improve things. I, yes. I want a one leading the the charge on you know improving the environment and yep. and changing and reform. If and all you that are kind of one stuff. listening to this, just side note, selfishly, I am looking for administrative help. <laughs> yes. So please reach out to me quickly. Uh, I need your help desperately. <laughs> yes, and we'll give you the contact information at the end of the show. But feel free to fast forward through the podcast so you can get a hold of Alan immediately, immediately. Because he's a seven well, and he's scattered. Yeah, yeah, and he's got tacos that he needs delivered, and he needs an administrator to help him get those things delivered. Um, hey, let's talk through then in relationship because you said Alan a, mi- a minute ago. You talked about growing that empathy muscle if you've got a one in your life. What about, um, Julie, you've kind of talked about it a little bit already, but what what muscle or what thing in relationship do you feel like the ones need to be growing for those around them? Because it seems like, I'm going to go out on a limb here, they maybe come across as a little bit critical, possibly. Sure. And, you know, again, that's part of the, the heap criticism on themselves. And so sometimes yeah. that spills out on other people because, and it's also like about rightness and fairness and goodness, yeah. right? I, they, they want other people to also care about those things. Just like we all have stuff that feels important to us that we want other people to care about as well. Yeah. Um, so I think ones in relationships need to recognize and acknowledge and accept the fact that to some regard, other people just aren't going to care as much as you do. Yeah. Yeah. And just be aware of that. Yeah. And that's not a character flaw. Yeah. No, and it's no. not because there's something wrong with them. No, it's just the way that they're wired. It's not right or wrong. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. No, no it's yeah, good. Absolutely. So I would say, you know, because ones tend to have a very strong moral compass, yes. sometimes we need to remember you know, that other people are hardwired different from me. I don't know their life experiences. I don't know what they've been through, you know, so maybe I see someone making bonehead decisions um, and can feel critical or judgmental of them for not doing the right thing, but yeah. taking a step back and and recognizing that those core differences and, and that yeah. they're important because we're, we're all hardwired a little bit differently because we're all so needed. 
Yeah. They may have to put on repeat. Gray is a color. Gray is a mm-hmm. color. Just yes. repeat that to yourself. <laughs> and Not everything is having, black and white. Having grace and compassion on themselves and realizing that if they make a mistake, that's okay. Yeah. The, the striving to mm-hmm. be good enough, like sometimes a project Sometimes good enough is good enough, right? Sometimes yes. you got to let it go. Sometimes yeah, you need yeah. to you need to move on because yeah. it's never going to be perfect. Yeah, I think the difference between excellence there and perfection. Yeah. You know, and I think excellence just being the best you can do in that moment with the resources yeah. you've been given and and being able to just go for it. It can be hard yeah. for a one to, you know, publish that blog, finally say this is done. There's trepidation because yeah. it's like, well, it can never be changed and then well, often it can, right? You can yes. just go change your post and edit it. Um, yes. But there's this like, oh, man, it's huge pressure that they feel. So we can be empathetic to that. But I think just to say to go for it, the second one is can be a lot for other people to process. And sometimes it's just intimidating. I don't know how they yeah. do all that or that feels tiring to me. And so yep. I think sometimes that's other people maybe whispering, hey, take a break. Yeah. Hey, relax a little bit. And I know that that's yeah. hard. Uh, maybe it feels like a catch 22, but. And when one's kind of relaxed, I think it puts everybody at ease. Yeah. So Alan, when, when I'm a, if I'm a one and I'm thinking towards goal completion, do you recommend in your coaching, like, Hey, you know what? 85% for you is actually a hundred percent for most people. Like, is there something there? I did this today where I realized they were dejected because their view of succeeding was literally losing X amount of pounds so they could have this increase in energy. And I went, wait a minute, let's question the assumption that success equals, that sounds like a crazy amount of discipline in this season of life when you have kids. Uh, So yes, I've also heard ones also kind of say, well, I know the right answer should be this, but I'm actually thinking this. So almost always will, uh, you know, kind of throw that statement out. I know what the right thing is, but... I know I should actually pay my mortgage down, but my wife and I are going to take a small vacation. It's like, yeah. no, stop saying that. Go take a small vacation. So I think yes. often they can even lose out on some of the joy or the goals because they're like, well, I know I should have lost 40 pounds, but 27 ain't bad. And so just that struggle <laughs> yeah. to celebrate. Yeah. So I think celebrating progress with ones is yeah. huge. Because they want the completion of that goal that feels like success or performance. side note, um, ones on vacation are super fun. Because one of the things that we didn't have time to get into in all of these is, you know, those lines on the Enneagram joining different numbers together. Yes. Ones ones really in health, they have access to travel that line to seven. And ones on vacation when it's not like I'm in this place where I have to this, that, or the other – tend to be able to just Super relax fun. and let yeah. go and are so great. maybe the soul care there is where can you just be or relational yes. where can yeah. you just be and feel like the environment where I don't have to make the decisions or be in control and I don't feel stressed out by that maybe you need to treat yourself to those kind of environments and what people will just let you be yeah. so you don't have to continue to to improve and, and perform so your the weekly sabbath goal then of the one in a sense should be just have a day where you can just be. You're not responsible. You don't have to be productive. You don't have to get it right. Like you can paint that picture. And even if you don't get it completed, come back next Sabbath and you can finish it off then. Like that's the goal is to just be in a, an environment where you can just be. So yeah. good. 
I, I think that's that's really healthy. And and along those lines of soul care and things to do um, is really to practice self-compassion, right? Uh-huh. Be kind to yourself because you get enough of the inner critic. So be kind to yourself, right? Like take a break, go on a vacation, do yeah. something fun, even if it seems irresponsible. Um, allow yourself to make mistakes without it questioning your worthiness as a human and really inside of that, um, I think my last thing for soul care is that I heard this said once and I'm like, that is perfect. Ones really need the serenity prayer, right? Mm, okay. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, yep. the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, That yeah. can be a very healing word for our ones. Yeah, yeah. Spiritual mic drop. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I, I love what you said something there just a minute ago, Julie, you talked about giving yourself permission to make mistakes. I've, I've heard somebody once say that they give themselves a certain amount of mistakes every week or every day, which allows them to just go for it. Without feeling with, bad. Yeah. Yes. And, and they literally carry these little tickets or whatever it is that these mistake things that they have that they get to use up because then it allows them to go for it on certain things that they wouldn't go for it on usually because they're nervous they'd make a mistake. You find what works for you because it was like that idea we talked about with the sixes. If you give yourself 30 seconds to catastrophize and to let your mind go there and then you move on, if a one plans on making a mistake, then they are doing something wrong if they don't make a mistake. So you better make some mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go after (laughs) that thing that you know is risky because you've given yourself permission to make a mistake on that anyway. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's so good. I love that. Well, listen, this has been so, so good. And Julie, you brought something up that immediately my mind went to. I'm like, okay, we've got to do another set of these in six to 12 months from now. (laughs) Talk about the lines that connect the numbers because we all have wings and we all have uh, things that we go to in health and things that we go to when we're not healthy. And and so I would love us uh, to be able to dive into that conversation at a later date uh, for each of the numbers. But thank you guys so much for your time. How can people connect with you guys um, online, because I know that you guys have a website and you've got ways to contact you on social media and so on. And then my second question is, if you could only pick, and this may be difficult, two to three resources for people to take a next step with the Enneagram, what would they be? Yeah, I'll, well, I'll connect you guys, um, especially uh, Julie and I do trainings for teams. Julie does uh, teams and even some coaching around this for individuals who are really interested, just head over to stayforth.com, S-T-A-Y-F-O-R-T-H.com. Click the Enneagram tab. And uh, Zoom trainings are actually quite fun and formative as well. So uh, Julie's yeah. been doing a lot of Zoom trainings in this season. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And Julie, yeah. uh, is that how we connect with you? The website? Yeah, yep. you can connect with me through the website. We also have, you know, Alan at stayforth.com. It's A-L-A-N. It's the cool way yep. to spell Alan. And yeah. Julie at stayforth.com yep. um, for our email addresses. I would say, so there is a, you know, 20, 30 years ago, there was like three books on the Enneagram. Yes. Yes. Now <laughs> the resources are countless. Yep. Um, so I would really say it depends on how you learn and how you dive in into information. Okay, if you good. want beginner books, then something like the road back to you is a great place to start. 
And yes. then, you know, you can move on to uh, The Path Between Us, which was by Suzanne Stabile. There's more textbooky type stuff, um, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. There's, there are countless books. If you are, if you do better with audio, um, I know I listened to a ton of podcasts while I was driving in the car. And so yeah. you can literally just go to your podcast, you know, app on your phone and type in the Enneagram and there will be so many resources. Yeah, um, yeah. I personally, if you want bigger, deeper, um, you know, deep life-changing uh, training, I know I, I personally have been working on certification through um, the narrative Enneagram. And that is okay. a tradition. They're a school. They're doing a lot of stuff online now. That is a tradition where you learn about the numbers by exactly what you were saying earlier, by hearing from the numbers themselves, yeah. which I firmly believe is the best way oh, to do yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Instead of getting a lecture about ones, you yeah. hear from ones, from a like one. a panel yeah. of ones telling exactly. you about them, <laughs> yeah. their own yeah. life experience. Absolutely. And I think that's beautiful because then we mess yeah. up less. You know, I'm sure yeah, I've yeah. said things that some people will say like, oh, I don't know if that applies to me or that's not really yeah. how I feel. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and so that's the same with the podcast. If you're listening to interviews, of each number, you're hearing that number talk about yeah. their experience in the world. So yeah. Yeah. I really think that's a great jumping off point of where to start. Maybe just yeah. three things to, to end with. The first yeah. one, it's okay if you don't know your number yet, or if you haven't yeah. settled on that, even you Perko coming in, yeah. investigating and saying, oh man, there's pieces of this, piece of that. So it's okay, keep digging. There's a yep. lot of people um, who it took them a long time uh, to get down to it. So that's where it's not just an assessment. Second one, don't use this as, an excuse, an yeah. excuse not to pursue goals, not to rest, not to whatever. We can all yeah. find an excuse in the Enneagram. The last one, please don't use this as a weapon yeah. because it gives us, uh, you know, sort of secret information about somebody else where we can really wrongly use that wound somebody. Yeah. And yeah. so not an excuse, not a weapon. And guys, there's no rush to get to your number. So long.